and welcome back to In the Booth, a podcast by the Frederick News Post. My name is Jillian Atelsik, and I cover education. In this series, as you may know, I'm sitting down with each of the 16 candidates for the Frederick County Board of Education. This is a more crowded field than we've ever seen, and there's been a pretty unprecedented amount of money poured into the race so far. With school board elections across the country receiving more attention than ever, we figured it was important to sit down with each local candidate and ask them about the most pressing issues facing Frederick County Public Schools. Today, my guest is Mark Joannides. Mark is from Middletown, and he's running on the Education Not Indoctrination slate. He said he decided to run for school board after becoming disillusioned with national politics and convinced that public schools were teaching children what he called a victim mentality. Hope you all enjoy the conversation. Check back for more. We're almost done here. And don't forget, primary elections are coming up very soon. They are July 19th, and early voting begins on July 7th. So today we have Mark Joannides. Thank you for joining us. You're welcome. Thanks for having me. Where are you from, Mark? Originally, my mom, but (laughs) Middletown. Middletown, yep. Do you grow up here? Grew up in Montgomery County. Okay. Been up here as long as I've been married, 36 plus years, almost 36 years. And what's your day job or your professional background? I, um, right now, am not doing anything when it comes to a day job. So I've had um, six different businesses that we've built from scratch and then sold. So two years ago, we sold it actually almost to the day. And that's when I felt called to run for the Board of Ed last June. I was taking a year off. And then last June, I felt called to do this. What kind of businesses were you working on? Anything from a landscape company to um, a national franchise we had, a snack bar, a coffee shop, and two different route sales businesses earlier on. So everything, really all over the board. Okay. So you used the word called. You said you felt called recently. Can you talk to me about what made you decide you wanted to pursue this? Yeah, so being, so I met Beth, that's my wife, at 18 years old in college. And um, <clears throat> been married 36 years now, raised four kids, four incredible kids that are God-fearing, hardworking, loyal citizens. And so when I realized that um, after our kids were grown, um, we impacted our sphere of influence, our family. But what I watched take place over the past two years in this country um, at exponential growth, I should say, I... Um, got really frustrated with the direction of the country was headed. Um, so <clears throat> we had, um, there's an elitist attitude in our country, and that can be either party. I don't mean that partisan-wise. But there's an elitist attitude in our country, and they forget the common folk, the working class folk. And so what ends up happening with policies from the president, from the country, all the way down to the school district, um, I was talking to my wife about it, and I'm like, I couldn't make it a impact really other than voting i'm not minimizing that <clears throat> on um, the president and the senators and house representatives but i realized once i understood it we can make an incredible impact locally in the county frederick county with the board of education okay. so i decided to put my hat in the ring so when you're talking about these um, national issues, are you saying that you sort of see this run for school board as a way to kind of address some of those <coughs> national concerns you're talking about? Is that part of why you're you're running? Yes. Yeah, so I realize yes. So I realize that um, our school systems, and you can put quotes around our school systems, are turning out a lot of kids that are self-loathing. They don't like this country. They have a victimhood mentality. 
they believe in a hand out versus a hand up. And I looked at what I did in our businesses, um, in hiring and firing in growing those businesses. Um, every one of them was profitable and I retired at 54 years old. I'm 56. Now I beat all the odds. We beat all the odds in marriage. We beat all the odds in schooling. We beat all the odds in business. And I'm a guy that thinks outside the box. So I started looking at the, what the results of what we were graduating. And I looked at the summer of love, they call it when cities are being burned down and they weren't people my age, they were young people. And I realized they're being fed, um, half truths at best. And so it was really disgusting to watch. And I said, you know what, if we can, if we can teach these children how to think and not what to think, go back to academics, go back to two plus two is four. There's no politics in that. Never should be politics in that. We can educate our kids again to, to, so they can believe and live the American dream and opportunities for everybody. So we believe in equality, not equality. I'm sorry. We believe in equality, not equity. Equality says people have the same opportunity. It depends on your disciplines and work ethic. You can achieve pretty much what you want. Now, you can't be a seven foot four center in the, bath, in the NBA if you're five foot eight. But within reason, you can achieve anything you want. Equity says you look at the person next to you that worked hard their whole life and you get some of that whether you did it or not. And that's just not right. It's not right. We don't want to teach our kids that. So I really believe in my heart of hearts that when you invest in children, you look at the school system kind of like a business. Being a serial entrepreneur, running six different businesses and selling them at profit <clears throat> and making a good living doing it, you one, develop a work ethic. You want You develop a um, a, a way to critically think through emotion because emotion should guide you. It shouldn't drive, it shouldn't control you. And what we're finding in the school system, um, it's failed leadership from the top. Um, the Dr. Alban thing was a, just a disaster. There's so many different things. Our kids deserve better. They deserve to know. Um, they shouldn't be living in fear and victimhood. They shouldn't be living, the mental health crisis in this country, and we can just go down to Frederick County, is skyrocketing and you have to ask the question why no one's asking that question i've heard other candidates talk about it but no one's really asking the question why is there such a mental health crisis with our children what's different when i grew up than when they grew up okay it's a big long answer to why i'm running <laughs> yeah well i appreciate that um so looking more specifically at, at local issues and and the local campaign that you're running can you talk to me about what you see as some of the most important priorities of your campaign or most um, top-of-line issues that you would want to work on if you were elected? Yeah, so, um, that boy, that could take an hour to answer that. But what I'm going to say first is when you have a patient on the table that's had a heart attack, the doctor um, isn't worried about, at that moment when he's trying to look at the fed, the widowmaker, the heart attack, the doctor isn't worried about, or the medical team isn't worried about what that person ate in that moment. They're, they're worried about um, stopping whatever took place and helping that patient live. So if you have a carotid, if you have an artery that's severed and you're bleeding out, you're not worried about why it happened. You're worried about fixing that artery. So our school system right now, there are so many areas. We have a contract with the parents, teachers, and students on our website, eni2022.org. And I'm part of the education, not indoctrination slate. So Nancy Allen, Olivia Angolia, Cindy Rose, and myself, Mark Joannides, have a contract on our website. It's eni2022.org that states what we're going to address first. Because when you have so many urgencies, it's really hard to prioritize. 
One of them, though, would be a zero-based line item budget. So the misspending of the funds the taxpayers pay, we have almost a billion-dollar budget. To sit here and say we don't have enough money for something seems a little disingenuous. And so because they're not transparent, the Board of Ed, the current sitting Board of Ed, they're transparent with spirit week, feed, um, feed lunches, things like that. But they're not transparent with the hard issues. So when we get in there, we're going to do a, we're going to do an audit, and we're going to do a zero baseline on a budget. And for those that don't know what that means, it means if you spent a hundred thousand dollars on something last year, it doesn't mean you just automatically increase it to one hundred twenty thousand dollars. You look at why you spent that hundred thousand, and you look at that item very closely. So as a businessman <clears throat> who never failed in a business, who was profitable, who had cash flow, who didn't have investors for the most part. I had one in the beginning in one business, and I'm grateful for him t today. Um, you, you have to live within your budget, and you can't just throw money on the wall and throw the money at the problem and hope it fixes it. So one of the biggest things is a line on budget. There's also, <laughs> right close with it, is ideology. So we all have an ideology, but the political ide ideology needs to get out of the school system. We need to go back to educating our children with academics. We need to go back to reading, writing, arithmetic, science reverence, respect, um, all, all the traits of what made this country great. And it is a great country. So I shouldn't be worried about hiring somebody because of their skin color. I should be worrying about hiring somebody or be concerned about hiring somebody because they are effective in what they do. So one of the biggest problems we have, again, is we're following a, a line of thinking, an ideology, a political ideology that um, somehow racism is a huge issue in our schools. Now, if you want to go down that road, racism is an issue, but it, everybody experiences it. White kids experience it, black kids experience it, Spanish kids experience it, and Asian kids experience it. So let's stop dividing, which is another priority. Let's stop dividing people by people groups. We all bleed red, and we have enough rules on the books to enforce them. We don't enforce the rules on the books. Teachers can't enforce things they're actually told we have teacher testimonies that are told they cannot tell the parents the pronoun the child wants to be called in school so i can be called johnny today susie tomorrow and squirrel on friday and the teacher is not allowed to tell the parent that's not transparent that's dividing children against their parents so we have a lot of issues but i know if we stop the bleeding and stop the political ideology and the agenda. See, what we focus on gets bigger. And our school system has been focusing on major social issues while letting the academics drop and fail. Can't even find a report card right now. The last report card, I think, was 2018, 2019. The reason you can't find a state report card for the school system is because they didn't do well during the COVID lockdowns. Well, their, their solutions didn't work, and they don't want that to be seen because the kids' reading abilities, math abilities, they can pass them along for their statistics and say, oh, yeah, we had this graduation rate. But the children are suffering, and it's not fair to the kids. No child at 5, 10, or even 15 cares about what gender somebody is, because there's only two genders. And I'm pausing there on purpose. Nobody cares about what identity somebody takes. Nobody cares about the color of somebody's skin. I shouldn't say nobody, most people. So let's, let's interact that way. Let's stop looking at somebody as, oh, that's the white kid, or that's the Spanish kid. We are the human race, 
And the sooner we get back to unifying the human race amongst principles of integrity and righteousness and honesty and then academics, we will excel beyond. So because we're losing it in this country. Other countries are beating us in the school systems. We need to go back to greatness, teaching, teaching um, dreaming again, but dreaming with goals. And when you can do that, you lose the victimhood mentality. You lose the hopelessness. And when you have hope, you move forward. All right. So if you were elected, you would be working alongside the first new superintendent that FCPS has had in many years. So we had the same leadership for over a decade. And then <clears throat> in the past uh, six months or so, we've been led by Dr. Mike Marco, who was the deputy to Dr. Alban. So a change in leadership, but still the same administration. Yeah. So if you were elected, how would you work alongside Dr. Dyson, the new superintendent? And what are some priorities that you might try to pursue as the district enters this new leadership chapter? So <clears throat> I'm not going to harp on the past with the new the past leadership in the superintendent role. But the DOJ report um, is enough evidence for anybody to show what took place in our school systems. I am happy that Mike Marco is the interim. I would love to have seen Mike Marco as the superintendent. I think half of Frederick County doesn't understand why, but that's another issue for another time. But Dr. Dyson was brought on by a 7-0 to zero vote, meaning all of them, all seven of the board members, the current board members, voted to bring Dr. Dr. Dyson on. Um, so being that we have a progressive Board of Ed, that's concerning, but you want to give everyone a fair chance. So if, if, if Dyson, which she should be, is accountable to the Board of Ed, and she follows the policy of the Board of Ed, because again, the Board of Ed sets the policies, the superintendent is supposed to enforce that and, and, and um, implicate, uh, implement that. So... If she does that, so we're going to have a new Board of Education, and we believe it's going to be the Education Not Indoctrination Slate. So there'll be four like-minded people, and there'll be three current members, like-minded, just different ideology. So we'll have a decent balance on the board. There'll be seven people, four and three, right? So if Dr. Dyson um, <clears throat> wants to be excited about the, the new policies that we're going to put in place, then there'll be no problem at all because she's there to implement the policies that the Board of Ed creates and writes. So um, the FCPS comments on Dr. Dyson said her colleagues described her as um, a work ethic that's legendary, a leadership style that's collaborative, transparent, she's approachable and strategic. If that's the case, then phenomenal. That's phenomenal because you want someone like that enforcing the ideology slash policies slash um, oversight of the Board of Education. So right now, my concern and a lot of people's concerns are a 7-0 vote with progressive Board of Ed members would imply, you don't know, that this Dr. Dyson thinks like this Board of Ed does. Because I doubt highly the Board of Ed, the current one, would be sitting hiring somebody that thinks like me. So knowing that, you kind of statistically know how Dr. Dyson believes, and that's fine. Personal belief is one thing. In the public arena, you need to do what's best for the children. And so her job would be to, it's not us working alongside of her, it's her working alongside of us, because she's accountable to us. All right, so just to clarify here, you're, you've said before um, a couple times so far in our conversation uh, that ideologies um, don't have a place in the classroom <coughs> or really in the management of the public school system. Is that... Fair, you were saying that, that 
political ideology shouldn't shouldn't really play a role. Political, yes. And here's what I mean by that. Yeah, um, I, I was just trying to clarify because it's, it sounded like you were saying that, but then you were also saying that, um, you know, the school board was, if, if you four were elected, then she should follow the ideology that you four have um, and that your, whatever the, the majority ideology, again, to use your word, uh, is on the board should be the one that is implemented through the school system. So I'm just trying to clarify what you mean there. Yeah, good question. So as an example, um, an ideology of, so there's good ideology, bad ideology, ideology, neutral ideology. School, the t- students should never know, never know, unless you're in a political science course or maybe a history course, maybe. But they shouldn't know the politics of a teacher. If the teacher has expressed their politics to a student, they are now basically indoctrinating the children, and it's not their role. If they're going to indoctrinate, because everybody's indoctrinated with something. If you're going to indoctrinate, you indoctrinate, indoctrinate with truth, not opinion. You indoctrinate with academics, because that is a proven science. Two plus two is four. Um, you don't change. Um, you don't go against science. So there are men and women, females and males. You can't argue that. Nobody can sensibly argue that. If someone chooses to do something out of the norm and their own sexual preferences, then that's fine. Nobody's ever cared what somebody does in their own house unless they're abusing somebody. What you do in your own house is the privacy of your own house. But to run that, right now we have a pride month. Now, I know, and your paper does it too, and it's wrong. You call us transphobe and homophobic. Just because we say... I just want to clarify, we've never... I've never published a news article uh, referring to you that way. You published a news article from um, the Board of Ed meeting or the um, FLAC meeting that said angry mob, trans, you were quoting, you didn't, yeah, you did. And, and most people understand. You may not have directly called us that, but the point of this is you have a month of pride. You have a day today of D-Day. Our priorities are wrong in the school system. We have heroes in this country, military people that have died. Their sacrifice has been unbelievable for the freedom of our country. We should not be taking a month to honor a pride or do some kind of pride LBGTQ thing. Doesn't mean we hate those people in any way. My cousin was gay. I loved him. I used to call out of school sick because when he was in town, I loved being around him. He was an incredible human being. So we're not sitting here saying we hate anybody. So I can't stand and I'll fight back. On the labels, the leftists call us just because we're against it. I just don't want you, if I don't want you telling my children about alcohol, does that make me an alcohol phobic? If I don't want you teaching my children about drugs on the street, does that make me a drug phobic? If I don't want you telling somebody about an R-rated movie, my child, don't talk to them about R-rated movies. Does that make me an R-rated movie phobic? Why then, if I say don't talk to my children about gender, about five years old, six years old, I heard one candidate say, what's well, the building blocks? It's the building blocks we're doing. What do you need a building block for that for? To, to tell them in seventh grade there's anal sex? Is that what the building block is too? Because who needs to know about anal sex? This is all in our school system. And it's wrong. There's no focus on math anymore. There's no focus on science. There's no fo- so political science, yes, talk about all that stuff. But anywhere else, it should be about academics. And I think the masses, I've done my own independent survey. I've talked to somewhere between 1,500 and 2,000 people over the past five or six months. I'm out. I don't have a job. I'm out doing stuff all the time, meeting people. And, it's, and the reason it's a great survey is because I've gone up to black people. I've gone up to Indian, Asian Indian people. I've gone up to white people. I've gone up to Spanish people. 
And out of all those people, randomly, at a Sam's Club gas station, at a Costco, at a grocery store, and so no, no like a Frederick Conservative Club, no, not in there, because that's all like-minded people, just randomly. And I can't count no more, no more than 15 people have not liked our message. Everyone else has liked our message. 15 people got abruptly, get out of here, I don't want to talk to you. That means how many? 1,500, almost 1,500, 2,000 people said, yes, we love your message. The masses are vocalizing their opinion of what's taking place. And the elitists are minimizing and marginalizing the masses' concerns. And that's not right. They're elected officials. They need to do what the people say. All right. So I want to drill down into some more specific um, issue questions. Um, one is something that you've already mentioned a couple times, which is the DOJ investigation. If you were elected, how would you continue to navigate the impact of that? And what ideas do you have for improving or changing special education programs? Great question. Um, Cindy Rose, who is on our slate, has a disabled child. Um, we consider her the rock in this. She's been an advocate for students and special needs kids for, I think it's been 12 years or more. Everything that's been exposed today, she's exposed already. She's already brought it to the public's attention. So the first thing we need to do in the leadership position, I believe, and I just learned this is coming to me right now, is I believe we should send letters to all of the disabled, all the, the special needs kids' families, have a meeting somewhere and apologize from the bottom of our hearts that this leadership in Frederick County has failed them miserably, absolutely disgustingly miserably. There isn't one Board of Ed member that has owned any of that DOJ report. And so the, the superintendent is, um, has to be telling the Board of Ed, right? They're supposed to hold her accountable. The Board of Ed knew what was taking place. They actually started putting things in place during the investigation to try to soften the blow. It's not right. They're disingenuous. It's not, it's not fair. And it's all for their agenda. And it's not for the children. So who, get, who gets hurt is the children. So the first thing we have to do is apologize to them. We blew it. We as a leadership team in Frederick County, in this case, not me, I'm not on it. The leadership, we need to apologize for them. And then we need to tell them we're going to care for your kids like we should care for your kids. Now, the details of that that's going to take a, a boardroom conversation. We're going to have to go into that and pro the processes and figure it out. That would take another three hours to talk about that because that's they've been crapped on for so long, you can't just fix it overnight. You can't turn a ship. It takes a long time to turn a ship and change the direction. All right. So another issue I want to talk about is pay among staff members. So this is something that current board members and, and current FCPS staff have brought up um, repeatedly for, for many years that – FCPS staff are usually paid at a lower rate than their colleagues in neighboring counties who hold similar jobs. And there's this idea that that might contribute to concerns about our ability to recruit staff, our ability to retain staff, which is something that we and, and most school districts around the country have struggled with in these last couple of years. Yeah. So what are your thoughts on that issue? And do you have any ideas about how you might mitigate that? Yeah. And um, if I don't answer one of those, just ask me again, because I heard you at the end say most of the school districts around the country. And that is true. So you have to ask the bigger question is why? Why are, um, so school districts are run by teachers unions. We can say board of ed all we want, but unless they have the courage in the backbone to stand up against the teacher union and do what's right for the kids, schools are run by unions. Why are we having such a hard time retaining teachers? That's a great question. And I would ask another question. Why don't we do exit views, exit interviews in Frederick County? Why don't we do exit interviews with the teachers? 
Nobody knows. Nobody knows why these teachers are leaving. There's no, there's no statistics on it. And you're, as an employer, I've employed people for years, decades. I always asked employees when they wanted to leave, why? What was their reason? Some of them said money. Some of them said this. Some of them said that. Some of them said better opportunities. But as an employer, I always wanted to know why. Because if there was something I was doing, I wanted to be at a course correct and make myself better, make the business better. The school system doesn't do exit interviews that we know of. There's no data. The other question is, why are we losing teachers of 30 and 40 years? I've talked to them personally. They said they've had it. They're fed up. I know the answer to that, but the Board of Ed doesn't. And if they do, they don't care. And that's even worse. They are disgusted and sick of ideology being run down their throat. They are overworked from administrative purposes. They can't, there's no fun. We want to restore their joy in learning. But when you strap teachers with all the things they're strapped with, it isn't fair to them. And that being said, though, there are great teachers that are exiting the system. When we change the things we're going to change and put common sense back into this thing, common sense education, academics, which is what made America great. Yes, America has the sins of its past, but no one can argue with me that this country is in the best country in the world. Everyone flees here. We don't flee somewhere else. And there's a reason for that. If this country was systemically racist, black people would not be coming over here. I wouldn't. If I was black, if I'm white, I am white, and I'm going to a country that I knew was systemically white racist, I wouldn't be going to that country. So come down to the school system. Teachers are tired of ideology being forced on them, so they have a paycheck, so they have to listen. They don't have the courage I could have as a business owner. You realize I, I kicked the health department out of my restaurant. We need that kind of courage on the Board of Ed. I kicked the health department out of my restaurant. The lady in there, I'm on a tangent. Why? but. So she was incompetent. She was telling me the rules. But she couldn't give me any examples of the rules. So she actually contaminated the soup we had while she's telling me I have my forks uh, the wrong direction. She literally took a, pr- a thermometer, stuck it in the soup, pulled it out without wiping it off or, dis- or cleaning it, sanitizing it, and put it in another soup. I looked at her. I said, get out of my store. You don't know what you're doing. You have no business filling that report out until you have better training. Get out of my store. And she left. And then I called the health department and got the head health person. And they sent me somebody else and it was fine. My point is I will challenge authority. I will challenge the status quo. We, the indoctrination slate, education, not indoctrination slate, will, will challenge the status quo. I told you before we started the interview, I love questions. I love wanting to know how things work. Today's society, including the sitting board members, do not like questions. And there's, there's a few reasons why you don't like questions. You either don't like questions because you're not being transparent, you don't like questions because you're the authority and you don't want to be questioned, or you don't like questions because you've been indoctrinated so much yourself, you don't understand how to answer the question, but just listen to me. Just listen to me because that's the way it's supposed to be. That's not the way it's supposed to be. America is great because of the inquisitive nature. Science is where it is because of questions. All right. Did I answer your question? (laughs) Well, the question was about pay and- and I'll answer that. As a business owner, um, you cannot spend more money than you have. You cannot. So that zero baseline item budget, we're going to dissect that thoroughly. And if there is money for more pay, you can't just say, oh, we're going to pay people more money. You can't do that. You have to know where it's coming from. So logic and common sense and actually genuineness comes from looking at those and finding out where we can get it. So if you're asking me, is it fair? Do, do I want them to have more pay? I want everyone to make the most money they've ever made. But it has to be earned. 
it has to be earned. So those bad teachers that are promoting BLM to our students, and we've seen videos of this stuff, and we've seen stuff all over video, uh, bulletin boards, those teachers will have to change. But the masses of teachers that are being indoctrinated themselves are going to be happy with us because we believe in educating the kids again. So those teachers that perform, I want them to make as much money as they can. I think that's common sense. All of us want to make a lot of money, as, most, as much as we can, I should say, within reason and have peace in it. So to just broadcast and say, oh, yeah, we're going to pay them more, I think that's irresponsible government. And that's why we're in the boat ring with the budgets. There's never over, always overspending budgets. Why is that? All right. So we need to wrap up here before too long, but I have one more um, specific issue question I want to get to before we start to close things down. And this is a word that you've used a lot of times so far today in our conversation, which is transparency. Yeah. Um, so you've made it very clear that that's important to you and to the people who you're running with. But can you talk a little bit about how specifically you would work to make the school board more transparent if you were elected to it? Yeah. So um, being 56, being married 36 years, going through a lot of stuff in businesses and family life and ups and downs. And anyone that's honest has lived similar things. You learn a lot, hopefully. One of them is transparency. So when you're transparent, you have nothing to hide. You literally, that's the, right? Transparent means you see right through. A glass of water, you can see right through. When you're transparent, you have nothing to hide. It's fine if the board, the current board, is transparent with summer meals, food distribution, spirit week, um, hiring opportunities. It's another thing, though, when the public finds out. And again, Cindy already knew this, and it's 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 amazing how things work, but... Um, when you find out about the health framework coming down and what they're doing, and they've been pushing this for a long time, it just came to be specifically these words at that time. That wasn't transparent. When parents showed up to the flak meeting, and again, your paper wrote angry mob, that was unjust. I would tell you, I would argue with you all day long, if your child is being raped, and I just used that word, you're not going to remain calm. You're going to get, you're going to get pretty passionate. Our children are being emotionally raped. And if someone thinks that's a hard statement, look up the definition of emotionally raped. Our children are being emotionally raped. Their innocence is being stolen. So transparency means you are, you are clear in vision. You're clear about what you do. We have a contract with the parents. I've, I've mentioned that on the ENI2022.org. We state exactly what we're going to do. And if there's a child on the bus being bullied, then we need to address that being bullied. Transparency would say they're being bullied. We don't go to the race card right away. Because I have testimony from parents from their white child, blonde-haired, blue eyes, that's being bullied by another um, demographic. So it, it's all inclusive, and that's the only way I'll use that word, inclusive. We are all humans, and we need to be transparent. But to go into the details of how we're going to be transparent, we have to get into that board. We have to get in that room and discuss how many problems there are and how we're going to handle it. But what you are going to be sure about is we will not hide what we're doing. That'll be open to the public what we're doing. We're going to explicitly say what we're doing, what we're examining, what we're looking at next. And um, to me, that's transparency. You show people what you're doing. They may not like it, but transparency means at least you can see what they're doing. All right. So to wrap up here, can you just talk a little bit about why you think that you deserve voters' trust this cycle. I mean, we've talked about there's 16 candidates yeah. running. It's a really, really crowded field. Um, yeah. There's at least <clears throat> eight candidates who self-describe as conservative candidates. Um, so there's a lot of competition for voters' attention and, yeah. and for their trust. So why do you deserve it and why are you qualified? 
So it, it wouldn't be so much deserving as I'd be honored. Um, being at a point in life at 54, now 56, where I was retired and we were going to try to enjoy life like because we worked hard as business owners, self-employed 32 years. To get into this ring, <clears throat> I think it demonstrates we have, I have a clearly defined motive for change, for positive change. I don't have any political ambitions. I never have. I've been a business owner my whole life. I've been a common sense business owner. Um, yes, I've stated my opinion to people because um, I actually believe anyone getting into public office should have business experience r running a business because you wouldn't spend the public's money until you, <laughs> until you knew the value of that money. Um, so I have no political aspirations. I am laser focused on positive change, um, investing in our kids. In fact, I tell our, our, our grown adult children now, unless you're willing to invest in somebody, don't expect them to give you a return. And the return is their self-worth and their level of rising. So a rising tide raises all ships except the one with a hole in the stern. And if you're involved in training, are you going to be the hole in the stern? Are you going to train somebody, invest in that person so they can be the best they can be? So we can bring that and we can adopt that philosophy into our school systems by policy by saying, um, I, I don't want to say this phrase, because, but we're not going to leave any children behind when it comes to their potential. Now, we don't have spelling tests. We don't have, I mean, there's crazy things the school system has done. So why me on voting? And so I also have a proven record of accomplishment in business, including budgeting, hiring, inspiring, firing, training, leading, learning, all the ings, all those good ings. I have incredible experience with that from hard-earned, time-tested things. But what we won't do is be... Um, problem oriented we want to be solution oriented so we don't want we're not going to have an environment of we're not going to have policies in place have an environment of victimhood fear how terrible this country is this is the best country on this earth god blessed us and with our constitution so we're going to go back to base teaching history teaching the constitution there are people that don't know things about our constitution and that's why th what's taking place in schools is taking place there are certain rights you have that the school has no business, no business touching, and they do. The mental health crisis is, my kids don't have a mental health crisis. None of our children have a mental health crisis. You know why? Because we didn't have our children wear masks 15 hours a day and be told fear that the earth, the human race is going to die over a virus. But the school system not only um, <laughs> promoted that fear, I believe wholeheartedly that our school system today, the current failed Board of Ed, is the reason we have a mental health crisis within our kids. I know too many parents that kid, their kids were fun-loving, ambitious, bubbly, not afraid of people. Now they're in counseling. They're in counseling over the past two years because of what the school system made them do. And that's wrong. It's absolutely wrong. And there are parents that are angry, not an angry mob, but angry. And I would say if you don't get emotional, have some emotion about this, not letting that emotion control you, but if you don't have some emotion about this, I'm going to say put a mirror under your nose and see if you fog it up. If you don't fog it up, you're dead. Anyone with common sense reasoning abilities would be upset about what's taking place in our school system. So I'm the man. Our slate is the, is the group. We have the courage, the backbone to stand up against the union. Nobody else out of their 16 candidates are saying they're going to stand up against the union. We'll go to the Supreme Court if we have to. Our kids are worth it. Other people think they can negotiate. Well, you can negotiate with reasonable people. It is not reasonable to think you can reason with an unreasonable person. I'll say that again. 
You, it is unreasonable to think you can reason with an unreasonable person. And right now, the current Board of Ed and the state, with what they want to push on our kids, they are unreasonable, irrational people. You can't negotiate with that. You need to vote them out. All right, Mark Joannides, thank you for joining us today. Thank you. Thank you.